Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from the most recent Meta Strategy Digital Symposium. And the topic was driving practical progress on your artificial intelligence journey. The panelists who spoke about the topic were Ramesh Babu, Chief Information Officer of DigiKey Electronics, and Alan Smith, the Chief Information Officer of Baker Tilly. The gentleman who led the conversation was MetaStrategy partner and central office lead, Mike Bertha. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And now for a word from our partner, Quantify, and the company's co-founder and president, Asif Hassan. Asif, what do you see as differentiating factors between those companies that successfully harness the power of AI and those that don't? Sure. So Peter, in the last 10 years, uh, we've done over 2,500 AI projects across over 350 customers in nine industries. And we see a few common patterns in the ones who have got it right. So the first factor is culture. The most successful organizations foster a culture of curiosity and experimentation. Second is the presence of a champion, someone who's a true believer in the power of AI and is willing to let the team experiment, fail, learn, and evolve. Third, of course, the technology and talent enablement plays a big role. And the last, but definitely not the least, these businesses have thought about the human aspect of the work that they are going to do with AI. And when the confluence of these factors has happened, we have seen magic happen, and these customer relationships have grown bigger and faster than what we would have ever imagined. And now on to the interview. And I'm gonna start by welcoming Ramesh Babu and Alan Smith to the virtual stage. Ramesh is the CIO at DigiKey Electronics, the fourth largest electronic components distributor in the North America with revenue in the billions. And prior to DigiKey, Ramesh held roles at Target, Lexmark International, and also as a consultant at Oracle. Alan Smith is the CIO at Baker Tilly the global professional services firm providing advisory, tax, and assurance services to enterprises across the globe. Prior to joining Baker Tilly, Alan held various IT leadership roles, and he's also a resident expert on everything related to Wisconsin. So we put together this panel as these companies' products and services collectively are pretty much integral to every other sector in the economy in one way or another. And I, I don't have to say much based on the previous panels to make it clear that we're in the middle of an AI craze and we can't go a day, an hour, or a minute in some cases, depending on how often you log into social media without learning about a new AI use case, uh, a new AI startup, or a, a cautionary tale of a situation where AI went wrong. Yet we're still really in the early innings. I read a couple of days ago that uh, more than two thirds of generative AI startups are yet to even raise their series A. So still very early in the game, but whether you are being asked to lead, take a major role um, or figure out what this AI craze means for your company, um, you're maybe scratching your head and thinking, how do I cut through all of this noise and drive some practical progress towards business outcomes and make sure this isn't just another shiny object? R Ramesh, I'm going to start with you and maybe just start with a simple question. Uh, how important is education on the topic of AI to driving practical progress? You say simple 
we all know this is the hardest question, right? And uh, uh, you use the word practical. I'm going to try avoid the buzzwords and truly try to be practical with how we are approaching that. You are right. The hype is intolerable for a sitting in a company inside of a company, then going out and talking to the friends or the outside circle. It's um, really um, constraining in a, in a way, the hype that is created. It's almost like you have to have all the answers ready to go today, right? So that is a pressure we seem to be all living in the recent days. So we, it, it takes courage to take a step back and look at, you know, maybe let's not fall into the hype. Let's go about this in a methodical way. That's how we are approaching it, right? I mean, again, there is no magic bullet. Maybe this is how everybody says that. But we have created a community of practice within the company, a formal structure and also a lot of informal structure within the company. We have created a list of key terms and consistent definition of those key terms. And uh, we have been using many channels to spread those key terms, right? If you say generative AI, what does it really mean? One or two words of the definition that sticks rather than writing a page about that, right? And we also are creating what we call influencer network within the company, uh, try to make them be the ambassador for that education piece in many a formal and informal forum, they are the people we tap into to go, hey, go listen into this meeting. AI will come at the right chance, do pitch in and correct or explain the definition of some of these terms that are freely floating around. Nothing magical about this, but really taking a practical approach of using the internal people. And of course, we have the typical lunch and learn, and blasted on your internal website about term of the day around AI. And we are also doing it in a balanced way, uh, Mike, right? When you talk about education, the team that reads about them are all about the good and the hype side of the education, right? So you talk about risk, almost every one of my peer group, they talk about the risk side of the education as well, right? So, so we are taking a conscious effort to kind of balance both, even using examples of this is a case, this is the goodness of the case, this is a opportunity about the case or the risk for a company. So we are doing that in a balanced way. So does that make sense? That's that's interesting, Ramesh. A lot of good uh, tactical and practical things that other digital leaders can think about applying in their own companies. And I, I love the fact that you mentioned that our friends are, are asking about it now and all of us have become the de facto um, AI experts. Did you see the segment on AI in, in 60 minutes? Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. And, and Alan, I'm going to turn it over to you. Another consequence of the craze is you're getting bombarded from people in your own company, from the different business units and functions you're probably getting sent a lot of links. Hey, I read this on LinkedIn. Should we do this? Um, and so if you're one of those folks that Ramesh has been dubbed as the, the AI community as practice, the, uh, I'll ask you, do you get a lot of those uh, emails, Alan? And do you get a lot of ideas sent your way? 
Sure. And I respond the same way that the Simpsons did, which is I, for one, welcome our new computer overlords. Um, you know, all kidding aside, and, and, and really to, to double down on, on what Ramesh said, the hype is crazy, right? It, it, it's crazy. And, and part of the reason is that you're seeing the technology. We all knew this was coming, right? This isn't a surprise to anybody on this call. But what, what people didn't quite realize is that creepy factor. Right. How good is the technology? And it gives the semblance of having an intelligent answer. It's cogent, right? It reads well. It makes sense. It has context, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's intelligent. Right. So, yeah, we, we, we get a lot of ideas. And, and the reality is you need to treat it just like you treat anything else. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between home runs and singles. <laughs> and Singles in this case are your friend, right? Go do something, show it, have it be a tangible example. Now it can be used to fuel the really good ideas rather than the silly ideas. So yeah, yeah. We, we get a lot of these. That, that's well said. One question that, that I'd have and maybe many have in their day to day is how do you pick which ones to work on first with all of these, these ideas coming your way? How do you hit those singles or pick which ones are going to be the singles? Because you got to get runs on the board because people can get tired of multi-year AI journeys and multi-year budgets. So how do you pick which ones to hit the singles? Well, if you're having a multi-year AI journey, and forgive me if I offend anyone, I think you're doing it wrong. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, let's remember, this is all coming up because of ChatGPT, which is sitting on top of open AI, right? ChatGPT became available to the public in November of last year. Last time I checked, it's May. Six months, directionally accurate math. I, I cannot recall any hype that's been this much in six months since being commercially available. So number one is, you know, talk about the hype. Hype is off the charts. Second thing is you have to be careful about the risks because what does it mean to be on, on an AI journey? Let's pick on ChatGPT again. This is a publicly accessible ingestion mechanism where what you ask or what you want it to do, et cetera, goes right back into it. And there's huge concerns, especially from wh whether you be a manufacturer like DigiKey or whether you be a, a professional services organization like Bakatilli. We have data, we have client data, we have customer data. And the last thing in the world you want to be doing is putting that into the system. And so that that's a bit of a difference than, oh, it's cloud and I want to go, you know, on-prem to cloud and you have security risk. This is completely different. So you need to balance the ideas. What are they? How are you going to ingest data? How are you going to deliver something? What's the size, scale, and scope? What's the risk appetite? And finally, you can't avoid it. There's really two types of AI. Right? And this is not a scientific answer. There's infused AI, right? You use Workday, Oracle, Salesforce, Microsoft, and you have Microsoft Insights. You're already consuming quote unquote AI, right? Machine learning, natural language processing, et cetera. Then you have AI as a solution. And I think that's where people start, oh my gosh, we could use AI for this thing. Or, oh my gosh, we don't ever want to use AI. With the infused, you're not going to have a choice. I want to pitch in on the how do we 
pick the use case, right? Again, talk about values, right? How do you kind of measure value and go into a project, right? So it's the same conversation, but as I said, because of the hype, because of the pressure, uh, it's a little bit of a different um, uh, in the last six months, right? Um, in my mind, uh, like we, you can take a defensive approach or an offensive approach, right? And uh, in my mind, the way I think about those two, when it comes to AI topic, this is the mantra we have been promoting inside. I still think, how do we address some of the existing vulnerability in our current business model, right? That's the defensive approach versus using AI to go to offense, right? So even these kind of terminology, when people come up with this crazy idea, let's go do this today, we ask them this question, what do you think it will get us? Uh, whether it is fixing what a gap you have, or do you think, can you commit to grow your business by a billion dollar in the next two months? So suddenly you see them take a back seat about, oh, okay, I have to have that answer before I go ask for this AA use case to be deployed, right? So, so we have been trying to practice these kind of techniques. And again, nothing new here, right? It's like any other project to kind of calm people down and go about it in a structured way to assess value before jumping in. 100%, right? There's a difference, as I say internally, there's a difference between doing anything, something, or the right thing. And the fact that it's AI does not matter. You still need to go through those, those, those processes. It is no different than, than trying to deal with innovation, trying to come up with ideas there, trying to come up with ideas, iteration, right? Sometimes we forget about that. Um, it, it, it's no different. It just happens to have more glory right now because of mainstream, because of the media, you know, what's being projected. Well, well said, um, Alan. Um, automation is in the orbit of AI, uh, whether it's separate or a complementer. I mean, I think that depends on who you're talking to in these circles of your friends outside of work. Um, but either applying uh, automation and AI together to replace humans and processes or playing on the human plus machine uh, equation where the machine or the AI can help recommend actions to humans during their processes. And in both of these cases, especially in non-management level, this can create fear in organizations that their, their job is going to be replaced. Um, and, and Alan, I think coming in the professional services environment where and a lot of times your product is people, uh, I wondered if you could start on how you think about that within your company. Right. This is usually when I say I, for one, welcome our computer overlords. Um, <laughs> the, the the reality for us in, in our industry within professional services, CPA, right? Um, our industry might be a bit unique. I think that there are others that are in the same camp, though, which is there are more jobs open today than there are college graduates with accounting degree. So this is not about replacing labor. This is not about the traditional, oh, we can go offshore with labor or find lower, lower labor rates. I can, that, that is not the issue. The issue is we can't find enough. And so we have the luxury of not really having to deal with the fear factor. Because right now, I, I don't want to work 60 hours a week or more. I'd be happy working 40 hours a week. And if I can gain that advantage by utilizing technology mentioned AI and automation in combination. Great. So the human plus factor is 
is where we go. And, and we think of AI as providing advice to the advisor. So however you do search, if you're in legal community and you would research case law, if you're in other professional services and you're you're providing research, et cetera, this would be true in other industries, I'm sure. Those are tools. And AI is going to be, at least for us for now, another tool. For the now and the foreseeable future, it's about how can we leverage the technology in conjunction in order to get over this you know, desert landscape of talent, because it is not coming out of the colleges. Very interesting. Ramesh, coming back to you, there's a lot of plug and play applications out there. I mentioned all the, the startups and uh, again, an extension of the use case bombarding that's happening. Um, sometimes you'll come to find that an application of AI has been installed and it's in a function or a business unit. And for many reasons that have been mentioned, that's also uh, concerning for you because it could be redundant. It could not be secure. It may not fit into the overall vision of, of AI. But how do you think about harnessing and reining in those different activities in the business units and functions to make sure that the AI vision, strategy, and investments all live in harmony? This is also an age-old challenge for technology versus business, right? So um, as long as I remember whether AI or not, some of the business, many times in a right way, want to go fast, right? So they don't have the um, uh, patience to wait forever to get their project prioritized by IT. So in my mind, AI is also in the same realm, right? So we have to really be careful not to come across as putting roadblock for some of our business partners, right? So it's again, comes back to culture in your company about how you handle technology, right? There will always be ideas that IT may not have capacity or um, uh, willingness to go after. Fighting that will never work right, right? Because you are creating more animosity. So our approach was from a culture I took AI out of the IT and, you know, we formed that. I talked about the community of practice. We have a steering committee. I, we made the business leaders um, part of that steering committee. In fact, they are the leader of that steering committee, not IT. We took IT out of the AI equation in terms of looking at what is happening across the company, helping to prioritize. That suddenly changed the game for us instead of IT saying no and business going and doing something secretively or openly with an offensive attitude, they have become part of the solution as well in terms of controlling this proliferation of application. We are still seeing some of those happen. Individuals within a functions are doing it, but the approach had never been go punish them for doing that go again, use the community of practice, send the influencers to them to look at what they have done. How do we help them scale it? How do we help them understand the risk, risk side of it? So it's happening every day, Mike, that um, uh, across the company business users, either wanting an idea to go fast or implementing it themselves. How we handle is the cultural portion of the problem for any project, any technology project. 
so we are going back to the basics and reminding them, hey, today you may find the benefit, but when you want to scale, when you hit a roadblock with a risk, that's when you will come crying to the bigger organization. So how do we help you avoid it? Don't shut them down right away. Um, it's one of the things that is working for us uh, so far. Right. Uh, well said, Ramesh. And I think the combination of that response and some of the, the other topics we've hit on so far, while AI will be exponentially, possibly exponentially more impactful and more of a revolution than some of the other disruptive technologies, what we're hearing here is many of the same principles of any project or any technology still apply. There has to be a, a business reason. There has to be a business owner. There has to be a partnership. Uh, there has to be security. Uh, and so I, I hope this foundation or conversation is grounding everyone in, in some of the other things that we can't forget as we move forward on this. And, and, and on that front, maybe going over to, to you, Alan, um, AI is not the exception that while the use cases and the business value could be really clear, there's still foundational technology components that need to be in place in the organization. So as you think about going after some of these use cases that are very compelling, what are the technology fundamentals or foundational things that we need not forget in order to not slow down our progress? Well, one of the bane of every technology project's existence is data. And, you know, having good data, clean data, et cetera. And I think in this case, it's not just data, but it's what are what are you having the system ingest? What are you having the system take in in order to then render an opinion? All right. So for example, let's say you're you're providing advice to somebody. Am I having this thing consume Facebook feeds or Twitter feeds? I don't think so. Right. So you need to know what's going in. Uh, to come up with what that recommendation or that answer or that advice is. Um, so it's not just clean data, it's clean data, but what's being ingested or what you're curating prior to going in. The second is a large category of risk. And in this case, you need to identify and be very aware of data privacy, what you're putting in, are you, you, know, are you containing it, et cetera. But there's a second part to it. Um, and it's about bias. And it has to do with Again, knowing what you're having the system ingest, and then is it propagating an inherent bias, whatever that may be, uh, that's included in that data set that you're putting into the system. Uh, I don't, I don't pretend or portend to have the answer, but this is really one of the first times that we've engaged in the conversation in this way about a technology, uh, whereas in the past it's been about true business outcomes and results. Now there's more of that ESG function or DEI function coming in, um, which is real. If you ignore it, you do it at your own peril. Interesting. Yeah. So confirming accuracy and unbiased data sources being key here, and maybe a, a slightly different consideration than, than other projects that we've come across so far. Um, Ramesh, um, thinking about the electronic components, uh, distribution, business, uh, what are what are you seeing as some of the most compelling opportunities out there on, on the horizon for AI within your organization or you know the greater economy at large? Our product portfolio um, is huge. So we sell about 
20 million unique part numbers. We know we sell electron, uh, electronic semiconductor capacitor. As you know, lately it's been on the news all over about semiconductor. Like I know a lot of reference to the um, conflict with China. Um, so the regulation around these electronic parts is unbelievable in terms of tariffs, in terms of import export, the restrictions on where to send. We kind of ship to 180 countries around the world from one place in Minnesota. Um, so we have to go through a lot of hoops to make sure we are not shipping parts to North Korea or places like that, right? So, so the biggest opportunity for us is the volume of product portfolio we have. How do we organize them? Like for example, every SKU, you know, I'm talking about 20 million of them needs to have that HTS code as they call it, right? This is the, the government has bounded books uh, full of rooms that helps you define this so-called HTS code, harmonized tariff structure code or something like that. And, um, you know, these AIs have been guards and for us, because we have a huge team, like 20 member team, as we add products who have to read these books. And of course, experience helps to identify the right code. And we get huge penalty if we don't classify them right, because that's how, how government collects tax uh, tariff uh, f uh, from us, right? So, um, so the volume of product data or volume of any data, transactional data is what is uh, where we see the trend in AIs being used. In fact, we have a Gen AI, and I always have this rule inside the company, if you bring a fancy use case, that is very likely it's not going to work, right? I want a boring Gen AI use case is uh, the way I think about it. And then the first one, that got submitted was uh, is this exactly one. Hey, can we use Gen AI to classify product HTS code? And it kind of eliminated five headcount for us. It was a two to three weeks effort internally. And we, again, talk about the risk. What we did is we kind of had a Azure copy of the uh, model so that our data, the product data we are feeding into the model doesn't go out to the cloud, right? So we had to create our own instance of it. So we are managing risk that way to build a wall around these models when I feed these product data to them and uh, come out with the results. So uh, I see huge opportunity. Like I know I tend to beat up more on AI than celebrate, but there are real use cases, something quick, something uh, tangible rather than if anybody promises me you will save $20 million, I don't have, I don't even wait to hear the next word. I walk out of the room because that is not real for us today at least, right? So we want to keep it simple, not fancy, volume, uh, the, the, the creative aspect of it. Our marketing team is also playing with some use cases around how do I quickly generate a 30 seconds video content uh, based on our vast amount of data. And I want to go back to Alan's point. Uh, lovely that Alan called data as the foundation. I think we keep forgetting that, right? The AI is not going to do magic on that, right? So we do need a lot of foundational work done on data before any AI can do any magic for you as well. No, it, it's interesting. So fear the fancy. That's going to be our, our, our takeaway here. And, and we are at time, so I, I'm going to thank uh, Ramesh and, and Alan for a, a great uh, conversation.